0: what is up y'all it is your girl Chanel it has been about almost maybe four three to four weeks since I last did a podcast episode y'all know that I was very very pregnant <laughs> and I was scheduled to have a baby a whole baby <laughs> I swear I look at him and I'm like had a whole baby or sometimes like if I go to use the restroom and I'm washing my hands and I happen to look at myself in the mirror, I'm like, Girl, you had a whole baby. <laughs> or sometimes my husband and I are just talking and I look at him and I'm like, Babe, we had a whole baby. Speaking of baby, if you hear any grunts or coos or cries, um, or whimpers It's my son. His name is Lincoln Owen Casimir. He is the absolute love of my life. Love of my life. For sure. (laughs) And um, so if you hear him, he's literally in my arms sleeping, which is like his favorite place to be. (laughs) Um, So yes, I wanted to discuss my labor and delivery journey. Throughout this whole pandemic, I had a lot of time to record a lot of episodes. And within the episodes, a lot of times I spoke about my pregnancy here and there. And then I had a particular episode that focused literally on my pregnancy journey. And so, of course, I had to come back on and fill y'all in on The epic finale, meaning how my labor and delivery experience went. Um, What I will say is that this pandemic, as awful as it has been um, in the sense of us not being able to live our normal lives and be truly connected with one another in the physical realm, um, and it's been horrific with people losing loved ones, what I will say is as you know, with me and my personality, the glass is always half full. Um, And so what I will say is God knew what he was doing when he allowed for me to be pregnant during this time, right? My pregnancy started at the end of the year. I was literally with child in October, didn't find out I was pregnant until November. And so I kind of had the end of the year, the holidays up until March of life as we know it, so to speak, and just being able to enjoy the newness of my pregnancy with my husband, him being able to accompany me to prenatal appointments and ultrasounds, at least the important ones, and um, me still working in retail. And, you know, so I was able to kind of live my normal life at the same time, embrace this new beginning that was literally growing from within and then of course March came the pandemic hit shit was shut down quarantine time and so um when I say that my perspective is that the glass was half full as well even though this pandemic has been a horrific thing in some ways the fact that I had a lot of time to just process this new beginning what my life potentially will no longer be closing one chapter embracing a new one and um being able to process my fears and to process my um mourning what my old life was right because it's never going to be that you know when you have a child your life is never the same right so i had time to to mourn the loss of the life that I had known up until about that point, right? Um, For all my 36 years. And, you know, also being able to look forward to what was to come and to kind of really figure out the kind of mother I would wanna be. And I remember a couple of days before I had my baby, I said to my mom, I said, you know, I wanna, I'm hoping and praying that I connect with my baby when he's born. I've heard stories from women, women I know, and women that, you know, are in the public eye who've mentioned this, where they had their, their baby and then they didn't feel any connection. And my mom reassured me and said, no, you are going to love your baby. She said a lot of women who go through not really feeling that initial connection, there could be other factors that, that are going on, you know. um, She said, but no, I can you're gonna love your baby from day one. you're gonna feel that connection and um she was so right you know um but i had I had the moment to really be able to really think and and feel what I was gonna feel and express my fears to myself and trusted parties and and to really just gear up for what was to come and then of course, with the physical side of being pregnant. You know, I didn't have to be on my feet at my job the way I had been climbing ladders to get bags for people who purchased things. Like I was able to have my feet up. I was able to be in the house only really left if I had prenatal appointments or, you know, if I had um. grocery shopping or little things like that. But like I had a lot of time to just relax. I had a lot of time to get a lot of sleep. That's one thing I capitalized on, hella sleep. <laughs> and um, especially because I knew once he came I was gonna be sleep deprived, which you know is not even really hitting me like a ton of bricks as I thought it would, but I'll talk about that a little later. Um, so at the end of the day, this pandemic and the quarantine really allowed me to gear up for what was to come in becoming a mother. And I have to say I'm only three weeks in. But I am enjoying this ride. I look at my son all the time. And like I said in the the intro to this episode, like, girl, you did that. You had a whole baby. Like, so let's get right to it as far as my labor and delivery story goes. So I had my last prenatal appointment, I would say the second week of July, and during that appointment, of course, my OBGYN, they checked to see if I started dilating, if my cervix started to dilate. That's a huge thing that happens with labor. Once a woman's cervix has been dilated to 10 centimeters, it's time to push. It's go time. That baby is coming, right? Um, and they also check. So they're checking to see how many centimeters you are dilated. And they're also checking to see if your cervix is I think they call it effaced if it's still hard and tough, or if it's starting to soften. So of course I wasn't any centimeters dilated, which I figured would happen. This is my first baby, you know, I'm like just the way my life goes in a lot of cases, I'm not gonna just miraculously be three centimeters dilated, right? So I was zero centimeters dilated and my cervix was still very firm. Um and my OBGYN was like listen you know they the team of doctors that worked with me they seemed to feel that i had hypertension issues meaning that i had some level of high blood pressure i explained to them there was a period of time in my life when i was heavier meaning my weight that it affected my blood pressure you know they ask you for your medical history and all kinds of questions and I'm the kind of person where I'll answer honestly and sometimes maybe I solicit too much information, right? So they, all, I think once that happened and then once they saw that I had like a a kind of high blood pressure reading during one of my appointments, they were like, oh no, we're putting you on meds, this, that, 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 and a third, right? I also had explained to them, I have white coat syndrome and I've explained this in the episode before. Because I had seizures as a young child, I was traumatized and always felt like when you see doctors, you're going to get bad news and that that bad news is going to mean that you're going to die, right? So this has kind of followed me through adulthood. Probably something I should have went to therapy about at some point in my life, right? And so I always make the doctors that I see aware Ah. of the fact that I do have white coat syndrome. So there's a level of anxiety that I have anytime I have to go to a doctor's appointment. What I will say is my pregnancy journey has helped that tremendously. And so um, they seem to think, they meaning my team of OBGYNs, they seem to think that your girl has hypertension issues. I don't believe that I have hypertension issues. I have white coat syndrome. But once again, this pregnancy journey has really helped me to get over that level of anxiety that I would normally experience because I was seeing doctors round the clock. Y'all know I said I I work with a team of um, OBGYNs. I also was seeing a hematologist my entire pregnancy because I had severe anemia issues. And so I was seeing doctors round the clock, y'all. So that helped me to no longer feel the level of anxiety that i would always feel prior to this pregnancy experience and um but for the sake of the baby i agreed to follow their recommendations to some degree (laughs) they wanted me to take x amount of doses of blood pressure medication i'll be honest with y'all i never took the dosage that they wanted me to take i took as little of a dose of it as i could and um for my entire pregnancy only just just to be somewhat on the safe side for the well-being of my baby. They didn't want me to develop preeclampsia, which causes swelling and can be a serious problem for pregnant women during pregnancy and during labor and delivery and all of that. I know some people who had to deal with preeclampsia during their pregnancy, and it's not a safe thing. It's not a good thing. So just for the sake of my baby and his well-being, I somewhat... (laughs) followed the doctor's orders right um and so I didn't take the dosage that they wanted me to take but the the dosage that I was taking my blood pressure was phenomenal my entire pregnancy um and when I say phenomenal meaning you know I believe a great re- a normal reading would be anything from 120 over 80 uh maybe to like 130 140 they won't really press you A lot of times my blood pressure was like 116 over 54, like once you start seeing those kind of numbers, that that told me that my pressure was already decent, it was already in the safe zone, but because I was taking a low dose of the meds they were prescribing, it put me to the point where I was like, like I said, 116, 110 over 54, like my numbers were like really, really, really good most of my pregnancy. Um, and so because of the hypertension issues they seem to believe that I had and a part of me feels like are y'all just going with this because I'm black and a lot of black people are known to have high blood pressure because sometimes you know I'm not going to lie I was seeing you know my, my medical team consisted of white Jewish women nothing against them I felt like they were phenomenal however I do sometimes feel like Okay, Bubs. I do sometimes feel like, um, people who are not a part of the Black experience, <laughs> you know, can tend to put you in that box even medically, right? And so we know that Black women, they they're not taken as seriously when they express their medical concerns during pregnancy, and that the fatality rate is higher in Black women than any other. A culture of women when pregnant and when delivering. And so, you know, I made sure that throughout my whole pregnancy, if I had any concerns, I spoke up about them. And at the same time, I made sure that I did whatever I truly, truly felt was in the best interest of my child, right? I was against taking blood pressure medication, but because of their concern, what they were saying, I, I didn't take it to the extent that they wanted me to take it, but at least I, I took enough of it, um, for, to satisfy, I guess, you know, them and then the blood and my blood alleged blood pressure issue. Right. We're going to get back to this blood pressure issue because it has a lot to do with my labor and delivery. All right, bubsy bubs. And probably he's a light sleeper and he's like, mom, you're talking too loudly. Um, so what else? So she said, because of these concerns, we don't want you to develop preeclampsia. We are going to induce you. We're gonna induce you when you turn 39 weeks. And so next Friday, we're inducing you be at the hospital by 8 a.m. It was just that cut and dry. And I had done a lot of research, watched a lot of labor and delivery vlogs and just pregnant women um vlogs expressing their journey to educate myself you know we're in a pandemic we're quarantined there are no classes for me to attend and so the the information that i had to get i had to utilize youtube to a whole other level right and so i understood what an induction entailed and that of course that was the last thing that i wanted i wanted for my labor to start naturally i wanted it to be that when he was ready to come into this world, I would naturally have my water break and all of those things would happen. I did not want it to be where we're forcing me into labor, right? Because there are other risks and concerns with that. Um, And so I wasn't the happiest of campers to know that I was being induced, but then in the same vein, I was kind of over being pregnant at that point and i kind of was like okay at least you know you have a date this is not going to be a waiting game like that you know for sure chanel next weekend you having this baby so i was kind of relieved with that part but then i had to mentally really prepare myself for what was to come in just seven days you know what i'm saying um so i remember coming home from that appointment i told my husband You know, I had been telling my husband for months, because you know, ladies, men, you always have to be on top of them about things, right? They're not, they go in one ear and out the other. They're not going to follow up. They're not going to do their due diligence. Most men, not all, right? And my husband falls into the most men category. I love him to pieces, but he is not the most proactive when it comes to certain things. And so I had been telling him, make arrangements at your job. I suggest you make arrangements at your job by the second week of July. You know, I can have this baby in the beginning of the month, the middle of the month, the end of the month, or in August, but either way, make arrangements with your job. You know, I had already been um, preparing and there's something to be said. I, You know, in a lot of these vlogs I was watching and YouTube videos, they were saying that just within you as a woman, sometimes you'll start to feel the need to nest meaning to get the baby nursery ready. You'll start to feel this sense of urgency to really get things in order. And that is super true because I experienced that. I would say end of June, I was on, on it. I was like, all right, we need to get whatever we need to get for the nursery. I was like, okay, I got my hospital bag together. I got the baby bag together. I I felt the need to do my hair. I took out the braids that I'd been rocking for so long and like, dyed, washed my hair, and then put these twists in them. And that's not the easiest thing to do on a normal day. And damn sure ain't the easiest thing to do when you're nine months pregnant. But I felt that there was a sense that I needed to get this done, right? There, What time am I going to have to do my hair once the baby is here, right? And for me, it really wasn't a vanity thing because I was super natural. I didn't wear a lick of makeup when I was in labor and delivery. Damn sure I didn't have any eyebrows on. Like, I didn't care about all of that. It was just more so, once the baby is here, you're not gonna have any time to do your hair and your hair looks a hot ass mess and it needs to be washed and dyed and treated and conditioned, so do your hair Chanel. So I had gotten that done, broke night, did that. Um, I was just like getting things in order and I kept telling my husband, "Get get your hospital bag ready, start doing these things, don't wait until the last minute. Me knowing him well enough to know he wasn't going to listen to what I said. So I had to make sure that I packed certain things that I knew he would forget. Like towel, (laughs) like, you know, shower slippers, like all the things he wasn't going to remember to do. Why? Because this man decided to pack the morning of our induction, which was asinine and crazy to me. But men are going to be men, right? So we as women were always thinking ahead. And so I thought ahead with certain things. Just to make sure we had what we needed because I knew our hospital stay could have been anywhere from one night to three nights. Um, So, you know, a part of me was glad that I listened and followed that instinct of mine to really start preparing. Right. Most people will be like, girl, you weren't due until July 24th. Why are you like getting your hospital bag packed at the in June? But I'm like, no, end of June, anything can happen. So let me make sure I have my stuff together. Um. I was like washing all of the many gifts that we got that included clothes, bibs, burping claws, receiving blankets, hats, socks, whatever it was. You know, you have to wash those things, right? You can't just buy clothes or receive clothes that were brought for your baby and then put it on them. Like their skin is too pure. It's too delicate. So you have to wash those things in specific um detergent and stuff like that so of course I had the dress that was also gifted to me so I was making sure that I was washing as I was getting things delivered to the house that were gifts from other people or things that my husband and I were buying I was washing those things I wasn't letting things pile up I was folding things putting them away trying to you know make order with many gifts that we got and putting things where they should be and so I was just like really on my job (laughs) you know, with, um, just getting things together and I guess overall nesting. Um, and so I'm glad, you know, that by the time it was the day for us to go in, a lot of stuff that needed to be done was already done. Now I'll be honest in saying I had a lot of anxiety, right? You know, the moment that you learn that you're pregnant, you already start to develop a level of anxiety about labor. But you know that's like 10 months away, 9 months away, you have time. It's a different story when you're told when this baby's going to be, when this process is going to start, right? And so, of course, I started to feel anxiety and nervousness about everything and my prayer. Okay, bubs. Okay, bubs. Okay, what's wrong? He's real gassy, his is kind of hurting. Okay. I'll be right back, folks. <laughs> okay, sorry about that. We averted that crisis. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I was definitely experiencing some anxiety. My prayer to God was that I made it out alive of course and that my baby was safe and alive and healthy because as we know anytime a woman goes into labor you are at the closest point of death that you probably would experience in your life right up until the time of you crossing over so for me I was just like lord I don't want to be one of those women who are statistics out here black women that is um help me and my child to be able to make it out safely and you know a couple of weeks before I had him maybe a week before I had him a famous youtuber a well-known youtuber black girl eight months pregnant died giving died not even giving birth she had some kind of heart issue they said or she died of a heart attack I don't know but her and her baby died and that was super 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 sad So I don't take for granted. Y'all should know by now, those of y'all who've been rocking out with me for some time, you you already know, I don't take life for granted at all. And I don't wake up and assume that, you know, all will be well and that I will, that, that this may not be my day, that I cross over and meet my maker. So I knew going into labor how real it was. And I was like, Lord, I just want to be able to make it out alive, healthy and well. And of course, first and foremost, I want my child to be able to be delivered safely and for him to be healthy and well. And so, you know, I tried to eat clean most of that week. I didn't want to be <laughs> the girl or the pregnant woman who shits on the table as you're pushing. <laughs> Even though many do it, no judgment, no shame, but I just didn't want that. I didn't want my husband to have to see that. <laughs> um, and I was like I don't want to tear And I was praying for a fast labor, right? I was praying that I wasn't gonna be in labor for days, right? It took my mother 48 hours to have me with no epidural. They didn't do that back in the 80s. So, you know, I was like, Lord, I I know I have a pretty high threshold for pain, but I don't know that the high threshold for pain that I have could sustain and last for days. Of course not, you know? So that was more so my prayer my entire pregnancy, especially towards the end. I know my mom was praying and my dad was praying for that same thing on my behalf. And so I go in for the induction, you know, they get the room ready. My husband and I are waiting in the waiting area for maybe about a good hour before they call us back. Mind you, we had to be there at 8 a.m. in the morning. Then at that point, they immediately tell me to put the hospital gown on. They tell me to give them a urine sample, which is normal stuff I will go through during prenatal, during my prenatal care appointments. Not the whole hospital gown thing, but giving a urine sample. Um, and then at that point, they put the IV in my arm, right, to just give me lots of fluids. Of course, eventually when you're being induced, you're getting the Pitocin medication that really, really brings on the hardcore labor through your IV. Um, And I'm good with all these things. Mind you, my veins have been poked and prodded the whole entire pregnancy because I was seeing a hematologist as well. So those things, needles don't phase me, all that is fine. Um, My OBGYN, one of them comes in. She checks my cervix, which, ladies, is a painful thing. It is not a pleasant thing when they check your cervix. Just know, for those who are planning on getting pregnant or who may be pregnant listening to this, Checking your cervix happens multiple times throughout your labor experience because they need to be able to determine how dilated you are and if your cervix has softened, right? So we go through that, whatever. They tell me, well, you're one centimeter dilated. And they tell me that um, I'm one centimeter dilated. My cervix is still very thick. And then what else do they say to me? Um, they wanted to start me out with a pill form of induction before they didn't want to just jump to give me the Pitocin so they gave me this pill that felt like it felt like um like mesh it felt weird and you had to put it in your cheek and it dissolves that way so they gave me that pill my OBGYN said that she likes to start this way especially when you're not very dilated or that far along because it actually has the least amount of side effects ladies just know a big part of labor a big part of the symptoms you'll feel for most women when it comes to labor is nausea and vomiting right and so and a lot of these medications and things that they give you can make you feel nauseous or make you throw up um thankfully that wasn't my experience um And maybe there's some truth to what my OBGYN said as far as it being having the least amount of side effects, right? So you just put this thing in your cheek, very small pill. It almost feels like you have like the fabric or mesh. You cheek it, it dissolves in like 20 minutes. I started to feel like menstrual cramping. Oh, let me back it up a little bit. They said that I was one centimeter dilated and that I was already having contractions. So it probably was like Braxton Hicks preterm labor. I had already kind of figured out during my pregnancy that I was experiencing Braxton Hicks contractions. And um, so I was like, okay. So they were like, this is a good sign. That means that things should move along at a good rate. I'm like, whatever. So, you know, after maybe two hours after I had taken or hour after I had taken that first pill, the nurse comes back and gives me another one because when, the, when my OBGYN checked me again, a lot hadn't really changed with my cervix dilating, right, or softening. So they gave me another one. Okay, I'm just kicking it in the room with my husband. Pe- nurses, the nursing team is coming in all throughout that time. They're taking my blood pressure. And even the nurses were on my side. They were like, what blood pressure issues are they talking about? You, your blood pressure is amazing. It was like 116 over 54. I didn't even take the medication um, that day either. Um, So like, but anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um. So I'm kicking it with my husband while that's going on. They have the, the heart rate monitor around my belly so they can hear the baby's heart rate. Then they had this um thing on my hand, this little clip that they put on your hand or your finger, I should say, so they can you know get my pulse. Um, they also had one of the monitors was also monitoring my heart rate. So, you know, you're hooked up to all these things. I got the IV going. They're flooding me with all these fluids. So I feel like every 3 to 5 to 15 minutes I have to pee. I have to call the nurse in because they have to unhook me from all of this equipment for me to go and pee. And so as time was going on, I started to feel these cramps transitioning from period feeling cramps, which is familiar, to full-on contractions. <laughs> And I was like, oh, so this is what a contraction feels like. I I low-key wanted to be able to experience what contractions felt like. And another part of my prayer had been, let me know when to request the epidural. Because I was very clear that I was requesting an epidural. I'm like, I am no hero and I ain't got nothing to prove. Like, I'm good. Remember, I had seizures as a child. I don't want to push my body to a point of pain or to a threshold of pain that... Will then bring on seizures again. Like I ain't got time for none of that, right? So, um, I I I rocked out with the contractions, and I would say for about three hours when they were like contractions, like real, and then I was like, okay, maybe I should request it now because I remember this probably was the fourth time I went to use the bathroom to urinate. And as I'm on the toilet, I'm contracting. And that's the crazy thing about contractions, y'all. You feel them coming on, right? So if you're talking to someone, you're like, hold on, I'm about to have a contraction, you know, or you're breathing through it or whatever you're doing, but you feel it coming on. And my mother explained what contractions felt like in the best way. It's a combination of the whole period cramping thing and a charley horse. So imagine getting, you know, how you get a charley horse in the middle of the night in your calf muscle you feel it coming on and there's nothing that you can do to stop it or subside the pain and uncomfortability. That's what a contraction feels like coupled with that whole period-esque feeling, right? So um, I'm on the toilet bowl feeling these contractions. Like I think even though I can still bear it and I could probably bear with it for another hour or two, I don't know if that's the best thing to do. Something told me to request the epidural. So I request the epidural 15 minutes later, the anesthesiologist comes in my room and you know goes through that process. It took about 15 minutes for the epidural to be um the catheter to be inserted in my back and the medicine to go in there, right? Now epidural y'all I, I I knew it was gonna feel like a bee thing but I'm not gonna lie it it, it hurt. It's bearable, but it hurt. The challenging part about the epidural is this. You're still having contractions. So you have to stay super still. I'm like hunched over. I have a pregnant belly in front of me. They have you sitting on your bed with your legs like hanging or swinging off the bed. So you have to stay still because of course they're putting something in your spine. And if you move, you can become paralyzed, all that jazz because it goes in the wrong place. So the nurse is like holding on to me and I'm like, okay, I'm about to have a contraction. She's like, okay, let's stay still and we're going to breathe through it. She was an amazing nurse. One of the best out of the many nurses that work with me throughout my whole hospital stay. Um, And so that's more of the challenge. You'll get through the fact of them putting a needle in your back or whatever. It's whatever. It hurts. It's, you know, it's uncomfortable, but it's not the end of the world. The challenging part is the fact that you are also still experiencing Contractions and you have to be able to stay still, breathe through them, and you know, at the same time, you're feeling whatever uncomfortability or pinching, piercing feelings going through your spine, right? So, then after 15 minutes, that's done, and the anesthesiologist is like, Do you feel tingling? Do you feel your legs? I was like, I really don't feel my legs, I do feel tingling sensation. He was like, Yes, I got it done, right? And throughout the epidural, they're going to ask you, does this feel centered? Does this feel... And I'm like, I'm about to have a contraction. That's the only thing I can focus on. Y'all are asking me these questions. But I tried my best to um, answer, to be gracious one and to answer the question as best as I could. Um, but I must have answered the questions adequately because before I could even swing my legs back onto the bed, I was numb. Like my legs felt like lead. They felt dead. Like the nurse the nurses had to literally help me to get back into the bed, right? Um, Or to swing my legs back into the bed. What I will say about the epidural that none of these vlogs really mentioned is this. If you're going to request the epidural, ladies, I suggest that you wait until you cannot take the pain anymore. Because it's almost like that First time, and I've never done drugs, but this is in my mind what I would imagine it to be. It's like that first hit of cocaine or that first hit of heroin that someone does, and after that, they're forever trying to chase that first high. That's what I can kind of liken it to, right? Because that first, that very first dose of the epidural that I got was amazing. I couldn't feel anything. The contractions are. You see them on the screen going off the charts. I was in heaven. I couldn't feel anything. I was numb. I didn't even care that I was numb. I couldn't feel anything. I had the kind of epidural where I had control. So as it started to wear off, I could hit the button for another dose to come back into my system. And every 15 minutes, I could hit the button. What I will say is it never took the pain away the way the first dose did. And so that's why I say if you're going to have an epidural, Wait until you cannot take it anymore, um and of course, consult with your your medical staff to make sure that you're not to a point where they're like, "We can't give it to you because you're nine centimeters dilated, like no, but like wait until you're in active labor and you really can't take the pain anymore because even if you have the kind that I had where you have control to keep pushing the button for more doses of it to go into your system, you're you will never feel numb the way you did the first time what ended up happening to me after four hours my left leg started to regain feeling my right leg remained numb so the left side of my body started to have feeling the right side of my body was still numb but i was feeling the contractions again mind you i had felt a couple of hours of contractions prior to me requesting the epidural so i knew what contractions felt like i began to feel them and they began to get to the point where it was becoming challenging And I was pressing that button and I felt no relief. I even called for the anesthesiologist to come back and give me a dose or to fix something. And when they came back first, they were like, sorry, he's in OR. I think someone was having a C-section. And I was like, damn. At this point, it's like nighttime. It's like two in the morning. My husband's knocked out sleeping. And I'm literally in the bed feeling these contractions holding on to the hospital you know in the hospital bed they have that bar I'm holding on to the bar I call it the oh shit bar where I'm like this hurts like crazy like I don't know how much more of this I could take you know um so when the anesthesiologist a half an hour he came in half an hour later he came in and he said don't worry I got you he gave me another dose it still never took the pain away. I still felt my contractions. I would say from, I was feeling them bad boys from like midnight all the way up until I had the C-section the next day. And I didn't have, they didn't start the C-section until like 11 something in the morning, right? What I will also say is that, so that Friday, you know, when they're starting the whole induction process, for some reason, my son's heart rate kept, Decreasing, and I think it was that he wasn't. His system wasn't agreeing with all of the medicines and things that they were flooding my body with to force it into labor. I think that he just wasn't with it. He wasn't having it, and his heart rate kept dropping. And so every time his heart rate would drop, the nursing team would come in, the doctors like a calvary. It was crazy. And you know they would readjust the the monitor around my belly, and then they'd be like, "Okay, your son is something else he he doesn't he doesn't like this, so we were going through this like most of that Friday um into the nighttime where they would just come in. I might have had maybe two hours that his heart rate was what it should have been, and so I was like, "Oh Lord, like why is it, like this is just crazy." that whole time I went from being one centimeter dilated to almost being five centimeters dilated in 26 hours. So my body wasn't even dilating the way that it, at the rate that it needed to. And my OBGYN was very real with me. She was like, this induction can take three days. And I was already like, Lord, I ain't got it in me to be going through this for no three days. Like this is crazy, you know? Um, and so with his heart rate dropping off and on, And then with me not really dilating, it was like, what's going on? So that whole night, like I said, from about midnight up until I was wheeled in to have a C-section, I was experiencing contractions. My water ended up breaking Saturday morning. I I called the nurse, you know, you hit the button for the nurse to come in and I'm like, I think my water broke. And that is like the craziest feeling, y'all. It felt, it feels like period-esque bloody gushy it just felt so weird I felt very crampy and achy I was getting a lot of pressure in my rectum and I'm like okay maybe this is a good sign maybe I'm gonna start dilating faster but then when I would get checked again I was like four centimeters after like 20 something hours and they finally started to give me the Pitocin early that like when the wee hours of the morning. And then that's really when my son's heart rate started to decrease, like that, that medicine wasn't working with him. Um, But yeah, so I think once they gave me the Pitocin, that's what ended up causing my water to break. And, um, you know, the nurse came and cleaned me up, you know, because I'm sure it was a bloody mess. (laughs) And you can imagine how hard that was, because I'm still somewhat numb. One of my legs has some feeling, the other leg... Well, one, of the, one of the sides of my body has some feeling the other side of my body is completely numb. It just was a hot mess. I got a blood pressure cuff on my arm going off every five minutes for the whole entire night. Like I have nurses coming in left and right. Some of them are taking, you know, just they're checking on me. They're checking the baby monitor. I couldn't get any sleep. They keep telling me to get sleep. I'm like, how do I get sleep when I'm feeling these contractions? This epidural is no longer working. You guys are coming in here all the time. The blood pressure cough is going off every five minutes. Like, I feel horrible. Like, what sleep am I going to get? They're like, we know, mom, but you got to get sleep. Pushing is a lot of work. You need sleep. I'm like, I'm in too much pain to be able to get sleep. So, you know, I'm someone who I, I, I bear my pain silently, like physical pain silently. So my husband was able to sleep the whole night. I didn't even bother him. Like I just would hold on to the oh shit bar, you know, um, that was, that was on the bed and just, you know, i watched enough vlogs that were like, just breathe through it. So I was trying to breathe through these contractions. And then after a while I was just like bearing into it. Cause a doula was, that I watched a vlog on, she was like, sometimes at certain points of your labor, you just have to bear through, just bear, dig into the contraction. So I just started digging into the contraction, embracing it not because when you when you feel it coming on you naturally want to tense tense up right but that makes it worse so I kept trying to tell myself Chanel don't tense up just dig into the contraction just just deal with it you know um but of course I, I went through this the whole night so by the time it's the morning I'm like over it right um and then I tell the nurse again I felt these contractions all night they're like oh it's just pressure no I felt the hardcore contractions all night (laughs) like this is crazy why is this epidural not working you know things that people don't tell you people will tell you it wears off and you can't get any more but no i had the kind where i could control how much of it was entering my system but for some reason it didn't matter it never numbed the pain the way that first um dose that i got did so just keep that in mind for those who are planning on having babies or those who may already be pregnant um so yeah, you know, my husband I think in the middle of the night he got up to use the bathroom and he was looking at the monitor like your contractions are really going off. I'm like, "Yep, and I feel every last one of them." You know, um but even he'll tell you, he didn't even know I was in the amount of pain that I was in. He didn't even know that I was contracting, feeling all those contractions because he he was able to sleep through the night. I didn't bother him. I guess I I guess I didn't feel like I needed my husband's support in terms of rubbing my back or in terms of helping me to breathe. I felt like I just needed his support, his moral support. I just needed to know that he was in the room. I just needed to know that he was there, right? And um, he was there for every step of the way. He saw every exam they gave me. You know, time that they checked my cervix, he was right there. When they put the catheter in my back for the um, epidural, he was right there. Another thing with the epidural, ladies... Because you can no longer feel your lower extremities, they have to insert a catheter inside your urinary tract hole or whatever you want to call it, because you won't be able to feel the urge to urinate. And so when they do that, it's not a problem because you're numb, you don't feel it. Um, And so the nurses, they will always come in and, and, you know, check to see my urine, to see the color of it, they'd empty it out. And like, it just is a whole ordeal. So when you have your significant other with you, just know it's a vulnerable situation. Um, They're going to see, you know, all kinds of vaginal, cervical exams. They're going to see catheters being inserted in you if you get an epidural. They are going to see nurses coming to pour out your urine <laughs> in the toilet they're gonna see all these things, you know what I'm saying. So if they are, if your support system is kind of like not good with seeing blood or not good with seeing these kinds of things, maybe you should just give them the heads up. My husband's a fireman, so he sees crazy shit all the time. So that stuff didn't phase him. Um, but it, it is it, it is something to be said <laughs> about you know your husband seeing nurses wiping blood from your vagina and things of that nature right or there is something to be said about your husband seeing you in diapers like that is it's it's a reality it's just a reality of labor and delivery um so yeah so and my my son's heart rate kept dropping it wasn't agreeing with all of these medications that they were flooding in my system to bring labor on my body wasn't reacting to it in a timely manner it took 26 hours for me to get from one centimeter to almost five. And they say when you're at four centimeters, you're in active labor. So I actually did experience full on labor contractions, um, which are no fun, no fun. <laughs> um, and so I would say about 11, 1045 that morning, his heart rate dropped for the final time. And they were like, mom, we're going to keep it real with you. We're taking this baby. You know, at first they tried to because my water broke, there was no longer the amniotic fluid coating him, right? Or supporting him. So what they did was they inserted something all the way through my cervix. That joint hurt and felt so crazy. And they filled it with some kind of fluid to coat the baby, right? Because he was he was in some level of distress. Um and then after at the and then one of my other OBGYNs came in. And she was like, no, we're, we're going to take the baby. Like, we've been monitoring this. Y'all were monitoring this all night. How long were we going through this with this heart rate dropping? No. So at that point, the executive decision was made for me to have an emergency C-section. So, of course, the whole Calvary team comes in, the whole nursing team, my OBGYN, as well as the anesthesiologist." Thankfully, I already had the catheter in my back because I had the epidural. So all the anesthesiologists really had to do was just insert the medication in my back. Um, and he kept shooting quite a few different things. One of them really, really burnt like hell. And I'm like, what did you just give me? And he's like, "This is these are antibiotics, um, I guess, to prevent any kind of infection. Um, he gave me a serious dose of, uh, I guess, another level of the epidural medication to completely numb my lower extremities again. And, um, he also must've given me some kind of, uh, I feel like there might've been a slight sedative or some kind of pain medication in there as well. They gave my husband this whole, I call it like a hazmat suit to put on, (laughs) um, you know, and, and like the, uh, what do they call it? Like the head dressing as well. Um, I had to put on a headdressing, um, you know, everything has to be very sterile and clean, of course, and they gave me two shots of this pucker-like liquid to drink, and that's to control the acids in your stomach, because when you have a C-section, clearly I couldn't, I didn't eat, I hadn't eaten for over 24 hours at that point, because I couldn't, because of the whole induction, um, and then, um, there are some people who are known to vomit during their C-sections, so I guess this is supposed to kind of keep your stomach acids at bay, keep them calm. Thank God I like all things sour and pucker from candy on down. I'm the, I'm the girl who will sit and eat a lemon, literally. Um, And so taking that elixir didn't bother me. Of course, I had to sign my life away, you know, um... I had to sign my life away in the event anything went wrong during this procedure that the hospital is not held liable, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then like, I've never seen them move so quickly. Then they wheeled my ass into the OR. They told my husband he had to wait um, until they get me set up and that they would come back in and get him. And so once they wheeled me into the OR, the anesthesiologist is literally at my head standing behind me or sitting behind me. His job was to, you know, Check my vitals. They had a blood pressure cuff that went off throughout the whole surgery. You know, I had my heart rate, my pulse, and all of that. I I explained it to a couple of my loved ones, like, the way you're positioned on your back is so unnatural. Um, It's almost like you're, it's almost like the position back in the day that people would be crucified in, right? So, like, my arms are straight out, my body is straight out, and um, you're kind of at this weird dip. You know, um, which, which is why I understood why I had to take that pucker elixir, um, because of how you're positioned. I could see how people would throw up, right? And even your anxiety, like you're afraid, this is full on labor. <laughs> um, so I just had to keep coaching myself to stay calm and to take deep breaths in and out. The anesthesiologist was really awesome because he spoke, he just talked to me and kind of helped distract me throughout the whole process. And, um, I remember, you know, them putting the curtain in front of me so I can't see what's going on, um, from my stomach down. Um, but you just hear the whole team, you hear them talking, you hear them prepping. Eventually they got my husband. He came in maybe 10 minutes later. He's sitting behind me. And when I say that they, all it took was two minutes. I think they asked me, do you feel this Chanel? I said, no. No. And before I knew it, they were already cutting into me. And two minutes later, two minutes into the surgery, my baby was born. They pulled him out. You know, I'm just waiting to hear him cry. It took a little bit of a while, but he cried. You know, my husband ends up going. They called my husband to go, I guess, kind of where the nurses were. They were taking his vitals, checking him, doing all that kind of stuff. Um, I think they were aspirating his nose, all of that. And I remember keep like he's like, it's like I'm looking at him upside down because of the position that I'm in. And I keep asking my husband, is he okay? My husband's like, he's fine. He's good. And I remember seeing this high yellow baby with all this hair. And I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, I finally meet him. Like, you are who has been inside my body for all these months. And I, know, I knew his movements, right? I, 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 I ended up knowing and pegging him as far as the sensations of a baby being in your belly. But to be able to lay eyes on this baby that's been in your womb for all this time was super amazing. It's a feeling I can't even fully describe. And I was just like, oh my gosh. And then I remember like looking like, he's really cute. And I have to be honest, y'all. You know, I, I had a lot of time to pray throughout my whole pregnancy for my son. And I have to be honest in saying I had a very superficial prayer. <laughs> praying that he was cute among more important things. And so to see that he was like, not just cute, he was like yummy cute, like super cute, like really cute. I was like, oh my goodness. <laughs> Cause you just never know how the DNA mixes. You never know how you and your, your, um, your better halves chromosomes and, and genes come together. You know, let's keep it real. Not all babies are super cute you know that's just the reality of life and I was like Lord I know this is a superficial ask but I am praying that you know we have a very adorable yummy cute precious baby and um, I remember his eyes being open right away and him just looking around it was so crazy my husband already seemed to be captivated by him he was able to tend to him they didn't bring him over to me maybe for two seconds maybe 10 minutes after he had been born so it took them two minutes to get him out of my womb to cut through all those layers to take out all my organs to get to him and the crazy thing is it took them 45 minutes to put everything back because when you have a c-section they're taking your organs out of your body so my uterus my intestines you know like all these things are being literally taken out of my body to get to the baby and then they have to put everything back and then stitch you up So I'm hearing them talking, I'm hearing the craziness with the tools going on, I'm seeing to the right of me a canister of like chunky blood, and I'm like, oh shit, that's my blood. Okay, Chanel, don't look over there, don't focus. I'm listening to my vitals, I'm hearing my heart rate go down. You know, the anesthesiologist, I think he must have given me a dose of morphine or something. All I know is whatever he put in my spine, the catheter that was in my spine, I felt this coolness over my body. And you're going to feel that even with a normal epidural. Anytime they insert any kind of medicine into your your back, you feel like this coolness. Um, and I remember saying to my husband, I'm so tired. Would it be bad if I just went to sleep? Because mind you, I hadn't slept in like over 24 hours. And he was like, nah, babe, go to sleep. But every time I would close my eyes to fall asleep, I felt like something was taking me over. I almost felt like something was trying to pull me to the other side. And I told, when I said this to my husband, he's like, babe, that was just the medicine. That's how powerful the pain meds are. But I didn't like the way that felt. So, and I would hear my literal heart rate go down in the monitor and I would just be like, no, Chanel, stay up, stay up, stay up. And so I'm not someone who does well with narcotics. um, And so that feeling of something really taking over you was a very powerful feeling, but I fought through it. I didn't want to be in this deep sleep, so to speak. Um... And so, you know, it took them 45 minutes to put everything back, all my organs back. My husband actually was watching. I'm surprised they let him, I guess whatever angle he was at, he was able to see them stuffing my intestines back in my body. And he was amazed at the fact that I didn't clearly feel anything. And like, you feel your body moving, like you feel pressure, you feel like like they were like rough because I felt like my body was moving. And even my husband said like, your body was literally moving like crazy when they're stuffing your intestines back. And he was like, Yo, intestines, like they're like huge, you know. And of course, we know that they're like super long. I think they say your intestines are almost like the width of a football field, if I'm not mistaken. And so I was like, Oh my goodness, why did you look at that? And he was like, It was awesome. It was amazing. But I had to remember, he's a fireman and he's seen some craziness. So him looking at my intestines wasn't going to freak him out. But for someone else, that may be something that would cause them to faint. So um, be careful because it seems like husbands or, or loved ones have a viewpoint where you can see what's happening on that other side of the curtain. And so I, I felt like I felt them stitching me up. I felt a lot of pressure. It took them 45 minutes to, to get everything done. I remember the anesthesiologist. He was awesome. He just kept talking to me, normal conversation. Um, I'm talking to my husband. I'm kind of trying to look at the baby. And finally they stitched me up, surgery was over, and then they brought me to the recovery room. And that's where I was able to like literally hold my son and try to do the whole skin to skin thing. They immediately wanted me to try nursing him, but unfortunately um, my nipples were inverted. And so we weren't able to get him to successfully nurse. And when you first have a baby, your milk doesn't come in. It's what they call the colostrum which is like liquid gold, very important nutrients for them. So I was a little bummed that I couldn't give that to him. Until this day, my son is a month at this point, my, my breast milk still has never come in. I had met with a lactation specialist twice in the hospital, um, and my breast milk hasn't come in. So I've just, you know, it is what it is. You know, we all have birth plans, and we have this idea of what we would want to happen or how we would want things to be. But at the end of the day, I knew going into all of this, whatever plan you have, don't hold too strongly to it. Because nine out of ten times, things do not go according to plan in life in general, especially during your labor and delivery. Um, And so unfortunately, my son has to get formula fed. I am unable to give him this good breast milk because it never came in. And I started doing some research on that. And it seems like I'm not alone in this and that this is something that does happen to a small percentage of women. Um, but yeah, so I was able to kind of like bond with him. And it's so amazing, women, um, even though that was my first time holding my own son in my own arms, it's like you automatically know what to do. So if he started to whimper, if he started to cry, like you just automatically know what to do. It's that whole maternal instinct. Like when you grow a whole baby in your womb, there's a bond that's going on even when you think it's not. And for whatever reasons, he was he knew I was his mom. That's another amazing thing to see. Um, just to see his level of comfort with me, him seeming like he's at peace when I would hold him, um, him knowing my scent, knowing my heartbeat, knowing my voice. Like, it's just so amazing. This is why I always say people who declare that God doesn't exist, I don't know how you arrive at that. I'll say, have a baby and then let's talk after that. Right. Um, but yeah, so it's like, I automatically knew what to do. I just automatically just knew how to bond with him. It's so crazy and so beautiful at the same time. Um, and so that, that was a great experience for me. Um, the pain started immediately not necessarily from the C-section, but, I believe when you have a baby whether you have a c-section or you have a baby vaginally they automatically start pressing on your stomach on your uterus and that is very painful it's like excruciating level of pain um and i had probably doses of morphine or whatever in my system and i still felt that pain and what as soon as they they, they do that it's for the blood to, like, gush. Like, they need to kind of get all this blood out of your body. When you're pregnant, you're producing more blood than normal because it's for you and the baby, you know. The placenta, I feel like while I was still on the OR table, I felt something coming out of my vagina, and I think that that was the placenta. So regardless of the fact that I had a C-section, they still um, get the placenta out vaginally because I remember feeling... That gush and feeling that come out, um, and so they keep pressing on your stomach because they have to alleviate the blood. They kept checking the blood to make sure, you know, that I guess it's a certain color. They also kept pressing on my uterus, which was very painful, um, to make sure that my uterus was already starting to kind of go down. Um, and I, they, they must have did that like four or five times after the surgery. I nearly wanted to punch those nurses and doctors in their throat every time they would do that, because the pain was just unbearable almost, um, and so, yeah, it's like, I'm kind of in this surreal moment of, wow, I went through actual labor, ended up having to have major surgery, have a c-section, my baby's here, he's healthy, he's beautiful, you know, um, wow, all of this really happened, you know, and, um, You know, eventually they get the room ready for us. I think I was in recovery for an hour. You know, you can't eat after you have the C-section. I'm like starving hungry. I'm super thirsty. You know, they gave me some water and ice chips. And even then, you have to take it easy. Once again, most women are known to throw up and vomit because after you have major surgery, you cannot have all this stuff on your stomach, even if it is just liquid, just water. So I knew that going in. So I would like take my sips sparingly. You know, you have a serious case of cotton mouth. So I, you know, knew the last thing you need to do after having a C-section is be now throwing up. You're using the same stomach muscles that they cut into to throw up. Like nobody has time for that. So I'm thankful throughout my whole labor and delivery experience. I never felt nauseous. I never vomited, which seems to be rare because most people kind of go through those things. It's just par for the course, so to speak. Um, when you're having a baby but thankfully I didn't go through that anyone who knows me knows one of the worst things in the world I could ever have to go through is vomiting right I could count on one hand how many times it's happened in my lifetime and I've hated it every time and so I knew I didn't want to have one of those labor and deliveries where I'm like also nauseous and getting sick you know Um, so I didn't go through that so ladies if you get a c-section please don't rush to like drink all this water and eat all these ice chips, you will get sick. Like pace yourself. You don't want to now be busting stitches and incisions that they made because you're throwing up. So I'm glad I didn't have to go through that. I was super hungry and super thirsty but whatever. They also warn you that there's a lot of air in your stomach when you have a c-section and so that you should start to pass gas within the next 24 hours. And not to hold it in, don't be embarrassed because your guests are in the room, well in my case, I couldn't because of the pandemic, but don't be embarrassed because your husband's in the room, like you have to pass this gas because it'll be like seriously painful um so all was kind of good after we had the baby. I'm still numb, you know the catheter's in um I'm still slightly loopy from whatever pain meds they did give me um and at that point, you know, the baby stayed in the nursery for us to get rest that night. But when I woke up, let me tell you the pain. I felt, felt like I got hit by a Mack truck. Once again, I'm not down to take the Percocets. They were like pushing the Percocets on me. I'm like, nope, I don't want to take any narcotics. But I was like, give me the Motrin. So that I got Motrin at 600 milligrams and they would give me that round the clock think like every six hours or whatever, or every four hours, but the pain was real, you know that next day. first of all, I couldn't even get much sleep because every 15, 20 minutes a nurse is coming in, they're taking my blood pressure, they're taking my temperature, they're checking my blood, they're wiping me and changing like the diapers and padding that they had me in like it's real, y'all, like you're just sitting in your own blood, there's nothing you can do. I couldn't feel my legs, I couldn't clean myself. The nurses would come in and do all of that. You know, so my husband was seeing all of these kinds of things. Thank God this stuff didn't phase him. But just for you to know, that's the reality and the vulnerability of, of childbirth. Um, you know, where you're bleeding. Regardless of whether you have the baby vaginally or do a C-section. Vaginally, I heard there's more blood. But even with me having a C-section, I still was bleeding. They still had to come in around the clock, change everything, wipe me down. You know, and the hard part was I'm numb and I'm in pain and they're like, you have to lift up because when they're like trying to put the diaper stuff around me and on me, you have to like, you got to lift your butt, mom. You got to pull up, which was like the hardest thing to do, but somehow we would figure it out. Um, So every five minutes, 15 minutes, somebody was coming in my room, so I didn't get much sleep. And then I started to feel the pain, so I really wasn't getting much sleep at all. Um, But that next day, the pain hit me like a, a ton of bricks. What I will say is you get a C-section ladies, the recovery is pretty brutal. So expect the pain. Um, For those who are fine with taking narcotics, you're okay with taking Percocets, take them. For me, I just, no, the Motrin actually still worked for me. I would say that morning at some point they came in, they removed the catheter. It didn't hurt as badly as I thought it would, but the nurse was rough who did it. She was like, okay, mom, When I count to 10, I just need you to breathe. I'm gonna remove it. She counts to three and removes it. Just like, just like pulls it out of my urinary tract. I'm like, this lady is crazy. And then at that point, shit gets real, right? Because now I have to get about the bed, which is hard to do. I just had major surgery. They cut through all my abdominal muscles. You use your abdomen and your stomach for everything. You use it to cough, you use it to laugh, you use it to stand up, you use it to sit down, you use it for everything. And so now I have to get up out the bed, which is a feat in and of itself, walk to the bathroom, then sit on the toilet. When I tell you the pain and they're like, mom, you have to get up moving. You have to move, you know, and I had to urinate and show them that I urinated twice. You know, once they take the catheter out, you have to be able to prove that your body is functioning the way that it should. And they were like, I needed to be passing gas and all that kind of stuff. So I was able to urinate twice. But when I tell y'all the pain just to urinate, it literally took my breath away. Like I was moaning, groaning. I was in so much pain. It was to the point where my husband had to like really deal with the baby. I couldn't, I had no strength, no abdominal strength to really carry him much. I couldn't feed him. Like my husband had to do all those things. I felt so helpless and so defeated, but I was in so much pain. I've never been in that kind of pain in my life, never had surgery in my life. So this was all like a whole thing, you know? Um, And I remember just looking at my son, like, oh, he's so worth it. But that pain, I will never forget the pain. And it took, I think that first week, every time I urinated, it took my breath away. It was less pain for me to move my bowels than it was for me to urinate. Um, and they kept coming in, pressing on my uterus, you know, (laughs) oh my goodness, it was crazy. Um, the good thing is that they gave me this brace to kind of wear, this band to wear for support, but y'all getting up out that bed was hard, but I fought and I did it on my own. I felt like when the nurses or when my husband would help me, it was worse. So I would just do it on my own. Um, but I forced myself to get up, of course, and go to the bathroom. I had to go through that pain of getting to the bathroom and then having to urinate. Like I said, that pain literally took my breath away. And then from there, they were like, you have to walk in the room, you can't walk in the hallways because of the whole pandemic thing, but you have to walk back and forth in the room. So every time I was actually up from using the bathroom, I would walk around in the room a little bit and then get back in the bed. Um, They had this machine on me even before I had the C-section which massage my calf muscles to prevent blood clots and things of that nature. So that machine was still going on me. That felt really good. It felt like getting a massage. That machine was super cool. Um, But yeah, the hospital food was trash. I didn't really have much of an appetite to eat. I more so was drinking liquids. I would eat like the fruit cocktail and stuff that they brought. But I didn't have much of an appetite. I probably was in way too much pain. I would only eat enough literally to take the meds right because remember I'm on a Motrin I'm on all kinds of things um so I I did enough to take the meds or ate enough to take the meds they had me taking stool softeners I had already bought a can of prunes because I knew most of the time they want you to make a bowel movement before you leave the hospital and I didn't want to go through the horror especially if you had vaginal birth the horror of like (laughs) the pain of using the bathroom so I was eating prunes, I took I took their stool softeners, I was on the Motrin and it was something else they gave me. Um, but it was real, y'all. I've never stayed in the hospital in my life, but I was so tired, I didn't even brush my teeth in most of those days. I was in so much pain and to be able to stand up and brush your teeth, I had no energy or strength for that. Like my husband saw me probably at my worst, you know. Um but yeah we stayed for was it two nights three nights we might have stayed that friday i left that monday we stayed three nights no i left that that monday um and they wanted me to stay another day but they said you could leave because of the whole pandemic thing covid going on um but the baby and i were healthy enough to leave so you know my husband and i decided to leave they're like are you sure you could stay one more day I'm like, I have to get back to my new normal and to what reality is going to be, right? I you know, um, we're gonna leave. So we ended up leaving that Monday. And, you know, the pain was real. It was hard for me to get in my own bed. You know, I have three flights I live in a three flight a three floor house, you know, so I knew I couldn't go up and down the stairs like that. I couldn't drive for two weeks. Um My husband still had to help me with like holding the baby, bring the baby to me when I was in the bed or sitting down. Like it was real. But at the end of the day, like I said, I had a great pregnancy so I can't complain. What I will say is for those who are having a baby or who wish to have a baby or plan on having one, just expect for your labor to be just that, laborsome. It's not going to be pleasant. It's not going to be this pain free experience you're going to go through your level of pain before you request the epidural maybe even after you have it Um, expect that things will not go according to plan in most cases but just know how strong we are as women like I've never felt so empowered so liberated so sexy so strong to have been able to carry and then have a whole baby and even though I went through excruciating levels of pain with the c-section, even though I went through the pain of contractions and labor. Like when you realize what your body can do, it's crazy. When I realized my physical and mental strength, I was amazed, you know. Um, And that's why I'm glad that I did a lot of research that I did. I watched a lot of labor and delivery blogs because nothing really surprised me about my experience. I understood the vernacular that was being used I understood, you know, what was potentially going to happen and having an induction. Um, I understood those things, you know. Um, and so I would also, you know, encourage anyone who is about to give birth, you know, watch some labor and delivery vlogs, watch the journeys and experiences of other women, um, you know. For me, I didn't need the person coaching me along. I didn't need my husband to hold my hand through it all. I just needed to know that he was in the room and that he was there. And more importantly, that he can advocate on my behalf when I was unable to, right? Um, and so I felt, I feel super strong. I feel empowered. I feel liberated. And I feel, like I said, like you did that. You know what I'm saying? Like you did that, Chanel. You were able to manage being pregnant during a pandemic, you were not super needy, you were able to process a lot of this experience and what was to come. The question that everybody asks me now, can you believe you're a mother? You know, has it become real for you? And what I say to people is, yes, I it's not where I'm pinching myself, like, oh my goodness, I'm a mother. I said, I had a lot of time to process this being in quarantine for all these months, right? I had a lot of time to, to think about the unknown and to think about being a mom and, and to really dive into what my new reality was going to be. So for me, having a baby wasn't like, oh my gosh, you're a mother, where I'm having to pinch myself and remind myself every day that I'm a mother. If anything, I'm more so amazed at the fact that I I physically was able to do this. I was always fearful of pregnancy more so for the physical aspect of it, not the parental aspect, right? So I'm like, Chanel, you were able to conquer this fear. You have white coat syndrome. You were able to carry a baby 39 weeks. You were able to pretty much have a healthy pregnancy. A lot of the nurses in the hospital even were like, you don't have any hypertension issues. Like, people with hypertension issues even when you're on blood pressure medication your pressure is still not perfect right so the fact that my pressure was like amazing they're like you don't have any hypertension issues right so like i pretty much had a healthy pregnancy i enjoyed my pregnancy i didn't have any morning sickness i didn't have any major issues and then you know to be able to go through the traumatic experience of delivering a baby but that's just what it is right so For me it's more so like pinching myself like when i look at him it's like girl you did that more than it is girl you're a mom like i'm clear that i'm a mom you know what i'm saying i had a lot of time to process the fact that i was going to be somebody's mother right or at that point that i already was somebody's mom right so um i find it interesting that that's the first question that people ask me you know and then they're like well how do you like it and it's funny my girl niece, my partner in crime, when it comes to move with finesse, my dance friend, or our dance friend, she turned forty a couple of days ago and had a surprise engagement. It was a beautiful thing. So I'm at her um extravaganza <laughs> and a lot of people kept asking me, like, How do you feel? Can you believe you're a mom? And somebody asked me that and someone else answered. My girl Denise's mom answered and was like, Yo, you look happy. She was like, "You look happy. I could tell you're happy, you know, and I was like, "Oh, that soothed my soul because I get this question a lot from people, whether it's from my friends, family members, or just people that I know, where they're like, Well, how do you feel? Can you believe you're a mom? And it's just like somebody actually was able to see without me having to answer the question that my whole countenance, my whole being ex exuded the fact that I am happy that I am content, that I am fulfilled, and that I am embracing my motherhood journey. And, um, you know, I was like, wow, that's amazing that that is radiating from me, right? You know, but I answer graciously, like, yes, I'm happy. You know, the questions that you get, y'all, it's so crazy. The questions I got prior to having a baby, the questions that I got during pregnancy, now the questions that I'm getting postpartum, it's just amazing to me, you know, but I, it just kind of t- tells you where people were at during their journeys because there's always people who already have ha- who have already had children that are asking me these questions it's not people who haven't had kids asking me these questions because before i had a baby i never asked people are you happy you know i didn't ask people can you believe you're a mother like those are not questions that i asked maybe because i wasn't a mother so i wouldn't know to ask those kind of questions but to me I still, being a mother, wouldn't ask someone, are you happy? Can you believe you're a mom? Like, I'm not gonna do that to me. Nine or 10 times you are happy that you, you had a baby. And even if you're not it's, not, it's not my place for me to go fishing for that kind of information or to ask you those kind of questions. If you happen to confide in me or say something to me about your journey, that's different, right? But I find it amazing that that's a question that I keep getting, are you happy? Can you believe you're a mom? And so I say that to say, the questions are gonna just keep coming. <laughs> I already know to expect that. And I think people are seeing, especially people closest to me, that my, you know, everybody's experience is their individualized experience. And I think people are seeing that my experience is unique to me and that it's, it's clear that I'm happy. That I have a baby and that I'm well aware that I am somebody's mama and that I am content with where I am in my life at this point. Why? And I will always hold fast to this because I didn't put myself in a situation to have a baby when I wasn't ready. And I think that that makes the difference. It doesn't mean that you love your child any less or anything like that, but I think when you have wanted to have a baby or you've waited till you were ready to have a baby, and then it happens for you. You're blessed to have this, this bundle of joy. I don't think that your outlook is like, um, I, I don't think that you have to ask yourself, am I happy that I had a kid? I just think that the, that the experience is different when you waited until this was something you were ready to do and wanted to do, as opposed to finding yourself in a situation that you weren't ready for, if that makes sense. Um, so I think that like, people around me are are noticing that my experience is a bit different, right? You know, some of my closest friends are like, oh my, one of my closest friends the other day was like, I'm amazed. I, this is amazing. You have a baby. Like, I can't believe it. And I'm like, wow, we're still here. I was pregnant for a whole nine, 10 months, but like, we're still here, you know, but I guess it's just, you know, it goes back to the whole thing of people thinking I would never have a kid. So maybe now seeing me with a kid in tow is kind of like, wow, she has a baby. But then I think when people see me interact with my son, you know, my mom was saying to me, you're a natural, like, it, it just makes sense. You know what I'm saying? You you just, you just see it. Um, and so, you know, for me, I'm like, you know, whatever, don't let these comments, um, whether the intentions are good or pure or not, don't let them get to you. It is what it is. You know, enjoy your baby and, and you know, graciously answer people, <laughs> you know, um, But yeah, it's just um, interesting that these are the lines of questions that I get. It's like the questions, will they ever stop? Or the comments, will they ever stop? But it is what it is, you know. And um, I'm enjoying my little man, you know. He's a big part of my Insta stories, you know. Um, But I feel like, you know, I'm enjoying this stage of my life. And and yes, for the people who were constantly on my ass about having a baby, now I'm going to flood your, uh, your stories with, with my experience with my child, right? You know, I'm happy. I'm enjoying him. I'm trying to enjoy each phase that he's at. He's still a newborn. I'm enjoying this phase, even though I'm sleep deprived a lot of times, not that badly, but you know, my sleep is not what I'm used to it being, but I wouldn't have it any other way. I am enjoying him. My husband is enjoying him. Um, he's been a tremendous help for the most part. Um, but yeah, so it's just like, you know, it's almost like, what was life without my little Link Link? You know, what was what was life without him? And this is why I'm glad that I was able to live a pretty full life before I had him. Because now it's really all about him, you know? Um, and, and I love that. And he's so precious and sweet. The thing that he does that just melts my heart every time is he likes to nestle his head under my neck. He likes to be close to my heart, you know, um, even if he holds my hand as I'm feeding him, like there's just so many precious moments that just melt my heart away. He is so adorable. Sometimes just looking at him melts my heart away. And, um, yeah, like, it's like, what was life without my Lincoln, you know, even though he's only been with us for a month, I feel like he's been with us forever at this point. It's so crazy. And, um. Yeah, and so I would definitely say, once again, wait until you're ready to have kids. (laughs) Um, Because they do, you know, they do rock your world in in the best way. But they they are, you know, um, they become a focal point of responsibility. And um, yeah, I love it. And I prayed against postpartum depression. So far, so good. You know, I'm hoping that nothing creeps up on me. I keep just praying that I do not, you know, develop postpartum depression. Um, I've witnessed it in women, you know, who just don't really seem happy. They have their babies. They don't really seem that connected. Um, They don't, someone that I know right now seems like she's going through that. She doesn't seem too connected to her baby. She doesn't seem to be super happy about her baby. And this is not her first baby either but I believe that she is going through postpartum depression and it's a very real thing. I've been praying against it so far, so good. Um, so hopefully we we stay on this track and now I'm just trying to get used to my new normal. Um, I have to say that not that I'm all about the snap back and like feeling pressed, pressed to get my body back, but I noticed that, you know, um, my snapback happened, it's, it's happening faster than I thought it would, um, which I embrace and I know that, you know, I probably still have about 15 pounds that I need to get off, but in time it'll happen. I'm just glad that naturally I seem to drop 15 pounds, about around 15 pounds, probably within the first two weeks of having my baby, um, my appetite is still not the same, I don't find myself really craving food. Um, I crave water and fruit most of the time, but of course I force myself to eat, um, regular food. I don't know why my appetite is different, but it just is. Um, I have been enjoying a good cocktail, a good glass of wine. Um, I have been able to do that for so long and being pregnant, so that's cool. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Um... I'm enjoying the after pregnancy glow. My skin is still amazing. I actually did get some Fenty Skin products and I'm not endorsing her, I'm not paid to sponsor her. I've just been for the last two years on this whole skincare journey to get my skin right, you know, get my pores right, remove these dark spots and blemishes and just to have good skin. So I I can honestly say being pregnant has tremendously helped my skin. And my skin is still really, really, really doing good. And I I still have this after pregnancy glow. And these Rihanna Fenty skin products are are pretty bomb. I wasn't able to get the facial wash because they sold out of it. But I use the fat water, which is like a toner. And I use the lotion, which is a SPF, it has an SPF of 30. And that has also really been working well with my skin. I do have combination skin when it comes to my face. And so I've been using those products and I'm loving them. They're working well with my postpartum glow, postpartum skin. Um, and I definitely will buy more um for sure. I may try to get the, the cleanser this time, we'll see. But um, so yeah, like like my, my skin is still well, doing well, looking good, and um like I said, I still I've never felt sexier. Even though my husband saw me in the most unsexy of moments, you know, during my, my delivery and hospital stay, I've never felt sexier. And I think it's just the strength, the inner strength that I feel. And just the fact that I love the fact that I'm for the most part still able to wear my clothes that I wore prior to pregnancy. And um, I'm happy about that. Not that I'm focused on that. Cause I was like, Chanel it took you a year to get this weight on. And so it may take you a year to get it off. Like I, I gained like a token 30 pounds, but, um, I'm feeling like super sexy. Like I could still wear my little shorts and, you know, my tops and things of that nature. So I'm thankful for that. Now that I know I have a wedding to be in, cause my girl's getting married, shout outs to you niece. You know, I have more than enough time to get myself in the best shape of my life. Um... Now it's just, you know, figuring out my schedule, if I'm being honest. Now I'm having a lot of cabin fever. I was cool with being in the house during the whole pandemic, being quarantined to the house for all those months. But now it's like summer. I want to get out, you know. Um, And so now I find myself like, okay, if two days happen in a row that I'm in the house, it's like, no, we got to get out. We got to get some air. You know, I went to see my parents last week with the baby. Like, I'm trying to be safe course because of him um but like I'm to the point where I don't want to be in the house all day every day the way I have been for like five six months <laughs> and so um you know now I'm just trying to figure out a schedule um I'm still trying to do things with him and when I am in the house like we have a moment where we listen to music he likes music already it calms him down um reading books I'm trying to figure out you know, different things to fill our days when we are in the house all day. Um, his, he eats every two hours and those two hours fly by y'all. Like, I'm, I feel like I'm a hostage to making bottles and changing pampers, but that's just what it is the first few months that they're born, probably especially the first two months. Um, and so, you know, it's, it's been, you know, just getting used to that's what life is right now and being okay with that. Um, I'm trying to think what else. Even me trying to find times to do this podcast. Like, if I'm being honest, this podcast was recorded in different sections um, within two to three days. Whereas I'd be able to bang out an episode when I was pregnant right away. Bang out, like, two, three episodes a day. Like, it took me, like, two, three days to do this episode because I'm tending to my baby. You know? And, um... And so I'm finding ways when he naps, okay, Chanel, let's uh, do an episode. And, you know, my baby likes to be in hands. He doesn't really like to be put down. And, you know, a part of me is like, oh, I don't want him to be spoiled. But then the other side of me is like, he's only a month old. Like, he feels safety and comfort being in my arms, being in his dad's arms. And it's like, he was used to being in the womb. He was used to what that comfort was. And now he's trying to understand this new world that he lives in, you know? And so I'm trying not to be the super stickler of, oh, you know, put him down, you know, he is a newborn, right? Um, my goal is to sleep train him, of course, to sleep in his crib in his room. And by six months, hopefully we'll be able to be successful with that when he's six months old. But at the same time, I just keep remembering he is a newborn and don't put all these expectations and pressures on him or yourself as a mom to to have him to be a certain way if that makes sense um and so because he likes to be in hand as we speak the whole time that this episode was recorded he's been in my arms right which is why you'll hear him coo or even cry for a moment um but you know it's his comfort and I don't think that there's anything wrong with that I know everybody has their perspective on it um, but I want him to feel comforted and I want him to feel safe, right? Um, and so my new normal I'm getting used to as far as how to do the things that I used to do. My girl and I are gonna start doing content for move a finesse soon. You know, I'm almost at that six weeks postpartum point where I can get back to working out and doing things, including dancing. And so, you know, I have to get used to my new normal when my husband's working and I'm able to watch him. You know how to incorporate him in this this whole thing, right? Um, and so it's like that's a lot of what I'm I'm trying to get myself adjusted and accustomed to at this stage. Um, but I'm loving it either way. I'm someone who who tries to to enjoy the journey for what it is. And um, like I said, I couldn't be happier. All of my fears of will I connect with him? Will I love him right away? Will I bond? You know, my girl, I loved him before I even met him. I loved him from the time he was growing in my womb. You know, I had a high level of concern for him, wanted to make sure he was okay. And so, you know, I love my baby. I felt immediately connected to him when he was born. And um, he has pooped, in my, pooped on me. He has spit up in my mouth. He has peed all over me. There's nothing he can do at this point. That could gross me out or make me feel like I don't want to deal with something, you know? He's, like, literally my heartbeat. He's, like, my heart outside of my body. I understand why people say that, you know? It's just an indescribable love. And I think because he's a boy, there's that unspeakable bond that they have with their moms. It's to the point where my husband is, like, if he's getting fussy and we know we fed him, we know we just changed his pamper, we know his belly's not hurting him and he's fussy my husband's like oh you're going to your mother you know so there's just certain things that he only wants from me a certain level of um, consoling or safety that he may only feel with me and there is that unspeakable thing there when you feel needed to that level you know by this little person and when you're like their anecdote for all things that have gone wrong, that could go wrong in life, like, that's like a, it's like a crazy thing to experience, and a beautiful thing as well, you know, um, and so, you know, my husband, that like, gives him to me when we're in the bed, um, and then he immediately stops crying, and he just does this thing where he always smells me, so you'll just, he'll just be like, <laughs> it's like the cutest thing ever, um, and you can tell where he's like, this is mom, this is mommy, and he just, like, feels safe and content and secure. It's, like, such a, a beautiful feeling and thing to see. And, um, yeah. I, I, I couldn't have changed this experience, pain and all. <laughs> and, um, like I said, I, I, I'm glad that I waited till I was ready, until I was in a place to embrace being a mom. And, um... Yeah, it's funny. One of my good girlfriends was just like, she had called me for my birthday because after I had my son, if I had him on July 18th, my birthday's July July 29th, right? So a week later was my birthday and she called me, you know, to wish me a happy birthday. And she's just like, oh my goodness, I admire you so much. Like, I remember our conversations in college about, you know, how you wanted things. And, you know, you always said you wanted to get married and you wanted to have time with your husband before you had a baby you know, you have a beautiful house and, you know, like you, you, you did it, like everything you wanted, you got. And I've been getting that from a lot of people in my life saying that to me and, uh, sorry, my stomach's growling. And all I can say to that is, is this is why I'm a huge promoter of living your life, knowing what you want. Number one, right? Not haphazardly living your life, but living your life with a purpose, knowing for the most part, what it is you want in the order in which you want things, and then also holding fast to that, you know what I'm saying? Making positive choices that doesn't put you in these compromising situations, right? Um, And, you know, not worrying about how everybody else lives their lives. And this is where I get the satisfaction, if I'm being honest, in me being able to say, or not even say, in my life showing especially the people who were trying to get me to to live life on their terms or to do things during the same timeline that they did and as I've said for the past several months all the people that were on my ass about having a baby and not understanding why I didn't have a baby yet when I had been married for a year plus I get the satisfaction now when people are able to see the time frame that I did things and how the choices that I've made have benefited my life, right? And how I'm fulfilled and content and genuinely happy and at peace with where I am in my life when a lot of them are not because they live their lives based off of what the master said, what they felt they were supposed to do, what people encouraged them to do. Um, at the end of the day, you have to live your life on your own terms. Y'all hear me say this all the time and you have to know what you want and what's best for your life. You can't just be out here winging the shit to the point where you find yourself in situations that you're unhappy in. I know quite a few people who are married, who have kids, and you think that they're living the American dream. You think that they're living their best lives and they are miserable. They are tortured souls. It's not worth it. You know what I'm saying? It's not worth it. And I didn't want to bring a child into a situation where I didn't feel happy and fulfilled, where I could be my best self for my kid, right? And so that's why I'm always pushing the importance of knowing what you want, knowing what's best for your life, making good decisions and choices for your life. And you know what I'm saying? Going from there as opposed to doing what you feel is expected of you, what everybody else and their mama is doing like do you um and for it that to be something evident that people see, that my friends see, that my family sees, you know, that's where I get my satisfaction in the sense of yes, Chanel, you stuck to your guns. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And and the and now your life it shows itself in that positive way. Hopefully it is an inspiration to other people, right? Um I'm also so happy to see that I have good girlfriends in my life who are getting the desires of their heart. They're finally getting the things that they've always wanted. Why? Because they've been doing the individual work within themselves. And now they're starting to see how these blessings are just pouring in for them. Like I said, my girl niece, she's been wanting to be married forever and a day. It's, she, got, she met the right guy for her and now they're getting married, right? They have a beautiful apartment. Like, life is working out, you know? Another one of my good girlfriends, been single for a very long time. She met someone during this pandemic who is now her significant other, and they're on the track, more than likely, towards marriage and things of that nature. Why is this happening? Because she put in the work and has been doing the work within herself. This is the stuff that I always have been talking about on my vlogs on ComplexSimplicity.com and things that I talk about in these episodes. There's something to be said about working on you and focusing on the areas within your life that you need to focus on and strengthen and understand and getting to know yourself more and loving yourself more. That's when the door opens for all of these blessings to come in. And so for me... To be able to sit on the sidelines and see my, my friends, my good girlfriends, people who are like family to me, getting everything that they've always wanted is so spectacular, amazing, and beautiful to see. And I am just here to love on them, to champion them, to encourage them. You know what I'm saying? Um, I'm that person where I want us all to, to, to live fulfilled lives and to live happy lives And to be at peace and content within ourselves, you know, I want that for all of my loved ones. I want that for everyone, whether I know you or not. I want that for everyone, you know what I'm saying? So that's also been a major thing to see, you know, um, my friends living their best lives out here, right? Um, And so hopefully, you know, my experience is of help to someone out there who is thinking of having a baby... Eventually wants to have a baby at some point in their life, or someone who's actually pregnant as we speak. You know, um, I was able to successfully get through a pregnancy and and delivery during COVID. Like, I will be able to forever tell the story to my my son, and um, yeah, I I definitely have also been able to see a lot of my friends and people in my life really be there and be supportive and and, um, and and show a lot of love during this journey that I've been on and I appreciate that. I've often spoken about the people who used to be in my life trying to get back in my life through the back door because they heard I was pregnant. I haven't really spoken much about the people who are actively in my life and how they've been super supportive this whole time and how they have been just blessings right and i appreciate them they all know who they are and um i'm gonna have to get up off this thing soon he needs to eat um and so yes i am it's been a beautiful experience hopefully this is of inspiration and of help to you hopefully something i said has resonated your girl is back i will be back on with my my regular episodes so make sure you check me out on spotify anchor apple and google podcast tell a friend to tell a friend to tell a friend about candid talk with chanel and link link and i are about to sign off as he needs to eat (laughs) and i thank you so much continue to stay safe out there y'all and as i always say until next time